Hello and welcome to the Georgia Daily Fitness Podcast. I am coming at you from Sydney, which is super exciting. Got here a few days ago now. Um, I feel like I've just about adjusted to jet lag. It took a few days. Um, but yeah, went for a 6am ice bath this morning because that is the kind of thing that you do in the southern hemisphere I guess <laughs> um not something I would do at home I think you know the idea of getting in a nice bath at 6am in January or February in the UK is probably one of the most horrendous things you could do um and actually fair play to anyone who does it but it's not for me but doing it on the beach and then going for a swim in the beach afterwards seeing dolphins then going for a coffee it's pretty magical so yeah, different gravy here, I have to say, different lifestyle, and I will be applying for my visa soon. Watch this space. <laughs> um, all right, into the podcast. So it is a Q&A, so as usual, answering the questions that all of the RISE members have sent in. Not too many this week because we are on the last week of the six-week program, um, so it's always the way um, that at the beginning of the program, the Q&A is just packed with so many questions as people are just getting started out, uh, but a few weeks in... Uh, we find that there's less and less questions as people just typically sort of have got into the swing of things, know what they're doing and just get their head down and get on with it. Um, but that said, the questions that we do have today are excellent. So I'm going to kick off with them right now. Um, first question is, I am looking for some really good gut health recipes that are also kid friendly. If you follow anyone or have any recommendations, please let, please let me know. Okay, so what I'm going to do firstly is just give you some basic diet tips uh, that will contribute to a healthier gut. First one is going to be to eat a diverse plant-focused diet. Now, that doesn't mean you can't eat meat and things that aren't plant-based, um, but essentially, the more diverse your diet and the more um, plants in particular that you incorporate into your diet, the healthier your gut microbiome will be. So things like fruit, veg, um, beans and pulses, nuts and seeds, grains um, and actually even herbs and spices are all amazing so basically have as much variety of those kind of foods as possible um, and that is going to help you to have a healthier and more diverse um, gut microbiome which is exactly what we want um, the key with that is therefore to avoid too much processed foods and the more processed foods you have the less of these kind of you know natural whole foods we're going to be you're going to be consuming um, so yeah, more unprocessed foods. Doesn't mean you have to avoid unprocessed foods completely, um, but just keeping them to a minimal would be ideal. But of course, sometimes processed foods are delicious and they serve your body and your mind and your health and your soul in other ways. So that's why I don't want you to kind of get the message confused here that you need to completely ditch anything that's, you know, like junk or um, processed. It's just all about prioritizing the more kind of whole foods where you can and making sure that you have lots of different forms of them um so actually on that i'll give you a few sort of simple suggestions for ways that you can kind of bump up the plants and whole foods in your diet so it would just be little things like adding more um let's say adding frozen mixed berries to your porridge or your smoothies so just keep that mixed berries or any kind of fruit that you like in the freezer and then it's just easy it's ready to go whenever you're going to have like porridge or smoothie or anything like that just chuck it in um you could choose a mixed bag of nuts instead of just let's say like a, a bag of cashews or almonds so again it's um having more diversity and variety there um you could sprinkle seeds 
onto your oats, your yogurt, or maybe even your salads, where you would usually have rice with a meat-based meal. You could swap out the rice for beans or lentils, or even do like half rice, half beans or lentils, that kind of thing. And then we all, I feel like we all have our go-to fruit and veg, but next time you're shopping, what I would say is to challenge yourself to try something new or something different or something that you haven't had in a while, um, rather than always opting for the same thing. Um, I mean, as great as it is to, you know, if you have like a, just a handful of fruit that you have that are like your go-to and you have them all the time, that's great. That's good that you're getting in that fruit. But again, when it comes to gut health, we do just want to make sure that we are having a variety. And then another thing to focus on when it comes to improving your gut health is to eat more fiber, which is something that most people are not having enough of. So the average adult should be aiming to consume around 30 grams of fiber a day. Um, now, if you're tracking your diet on MyFitnessPal, have a look at what you're averaging and you'll probably notice that you're massively undershooting that unless you're a vegan or vegetarian, which because you're naturally prioritizing more whole foods and grains and fruit and veg, you might actually be kind of close to the um, 30 gram mark. But the vast majority of people that I work with, well, at least when I first started working with them, were so far off that 30 grams of fiber. And it is quite challenging to get that much in, but actually that is what we should all be aiming for. Um, so yeah, that's something I would recommend is trying to get more fiber into your diet. Um, again, it's it's kind of the same sort of foods as that I was just mentioning that are going to help you to boost your fiber intake. So it's fruit, veg, nuts and seeds, pulses, uh, whole grain bread, cereals, that kind of thing. So um, I've actually got a resource on this. So um, if you click into the app, go on the resources section, nutrition, and then um, there's a resource on fiber that you can check out. And there's plenty of more information on fiber, how it all works, and also um, what foods you should be prioritizing specifically to get more fiber in. Because certainly some fruit and veg, for example, are more fibrous than others. Oh, I just hit my 10,000 step goal, even though I'm sitting down. How fun. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. Um, and then the final thing that I wanted to say on this question was a lot of people think, okay, I need to improve my gut health. What shall I have? Right. I need to be consuming more fermented foods and probiotics. And honestly, there's just not much research to support these kind of foods. You know, your kombucha, your sauerkraut, your... The kind of yogurt shots that you get in supermarkets it's not that they're bad for you or anything it's just that in terms of supporting your gut um they're not potentially as effective as their marketing suggests so um I would definitely focus on the first two things I suggested there. So eating a more diverse diet full of lots of variety, um, very plant-based and plenty of minimally processed foods. Um, and I would focus on getting up your fiber. Now I could give you a load of recipe suggestions right now, but to be honest, what would be more effective, I think, is now that I've given you some pointers on how to get more fiber into your diet, hopefully from that you can then work out the sort of meals that you and your family enjoy. Um, and 
how you could potentially just add to them to make them more gut friendly. The other thing you can do is check out the resource section on my app and you'll see um, under nutrition there's a recipe library. So there's so many recipes there and most of them will be pretty diverse and pretty high in fiber. So check those out. And on the whole with this kind of thing, don't overcomplicate it because it's so easy to get sucked in and think, oh, I need to be buying this um, specific supplement in order to improve my gut or, oh, I need to only be eating this kind of food or ditching this kind of food. And it's never the case. Really most things when it comes to your health, you know, the, the answer is going to lie in consuming a healthier, more balanced, more diverse, minimally processed diet. Okay, moving on. Okay, so second question is, any tips on how to best manage hormone fluctuations and cravings? I have a coil, so my cycle's not all the obvious stuff, but is not at all obvious, but stuff's obviously going on. I'm blaming it on hormones, but it may not even be that. So perhaps some tips on how to ignore them slash find out if they're real, if that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. With this kind of thing, it can be frustrating when you feel like you've got all these cravings and you're not sure what the reason is, where they're coming from. So the first thing on this I would recommend is identifying the trigger. And the best way to do this is to keep a log of when you experience the cravings, because this then should really help you to identify the trigger, you know, whether it is hormone related, maybe it's stress related, or perhaps you're just generally not eating enough and it's genuine hunger and we actually need to look at um, your calories or potentially the quality of your diet. But it is important to acknowledge that cravings are normal. We all experience them. And generally there's two things that I get clients to focus on if they are having cravings. So the first one is um, a preventative measure. And that is to make sure that all your meals are super nutrient dense. So, you know, you're ticking all the boxes, you're getting in protein, you're getting in a carb source, you're getting in your healthy fats and ideally high in fiber because what happens often is I'll, well, when I speak to people who are, experiencing cravings or struggling to manage their hunger in between meals is that actually when when you look at their meals there's often one or two nutrients are really lacking like maybe they are they've ditched carbs or severely restricted carbs whether they have done that on purpose or not you know it varies from person to person or perhaps they are just not um, incorporating any healthy fats into their diet now that's understandable it's often the case because people associate fats with being like overly calorific, which actually, yes, fats are high in calories, but we still need them in our diet because first of all, they are good for you. <laughs> they help to regulate hormones, but also because when paired with carbs and protein, they're going to make you feel so much more full. So we definitely want to get those healthy fats in. So, you know, you might be used to just having a bit of yogurt or a bit of toast for breakfast. Now, instead, I would recommend that you have, okay, let's say you take the yogurt and you add in plenty of fruit, you add in some granola, some oats or something like that. Uh, you add in like some honey, and then you've got yourself a much more satiating, filling meal and you're focusing on, um, you've bulked it out with food volume rather than just eating as little as possible, which is something I see a lot. You know, typically when people are struggling with cravings, it can often be because they have just been really trying to eat as little as possible, you know, for weight loss purposes, but actually that will come back round to bite them in the end. And at some point it will probably lead to them, you know, overeating or binging as a result of the undereating. And then it just creates this sort of never ending cycle. So that's why we really want to make sure that, you know, you are eating enough when it comes to your meals, not just in terms of calories, but in terms of nutrient density and food volume as well. So that's the kind of preventative measure for uh, cravings. 
Now, of course, it doesn't work for everyone. It might not work if your cravings are purely down to hormones or um, stress or something like that. Sometimes we eat even when we're full. Um, so the second tip in, in terms of like more managing the cravings is something that's called surfing the urge. And surfing the urge is basically acknowledging that cravings are going to come and go from time to time. That's completely normal. And yeah, really acknowledging the fact that you have a choice in the matter just because you have a craving and you really want some chocolate or whatever, whatever it might be, that doesn't mean that you have to give in to the craving and have it. And it sounds really simple, but it's actually really empowering when you realize this because I think as humans, we often think, oh my God, okay, I'm, I'm feeling or thinking a certain way. I now need to act on it. But that's not actually the case, right? Because we actually often can't control our feelings and our thoughts and that kind of thing, but we very much can control how we respond to them. So when it comes to the cravings, instead of just thinking, okay, I want the chocolate, I'm going to have it right now, which is the reason that a lot of us struggle to control our snacking is because we don't really pause to think or we don't um, let there's nothing in between the thought and the action. However, if we can create that pause where we can create something in between the, the craving, the thought coming into your mind, the, the thought of grabbing that chocolate bar and the action of actually reaching out and going to get it, that's when we're onto a winner. So next time that happens, I want you to surf the urge, which is where you're going to acknowledge the craving, think about why it's there, take your time with it, and in fact, remove yourself from the situation. So if you've got a chocolate bar right in front of you, and the likelihood is because it's there, you're probably just gonna go and grab it and then be done with it. And before you know it, you've had 10 chocolates. I want you to take yourself out of the situation. Maybe you're sat in the kitchen or in a room where there's all these sweet treats. And for 20 minutes or even just sort of 10 to 20 minutes, preoccupy your mind. So maybe go for a walk, maybe go work in a different room, maybe make yourself a cup of tea. I don't know, just something that you can do in that moment to distract your mind and then 20 minutes later, you're going to come back to it and then you're going to decide whether you want that chocolate bar or not. The likelihood is because cravings go as quickly as they came, you will be over that craving and you won't even want the chocolate anymore. Although if you do want the chocolate, you're giving, your, you're giving yourself unconditional permission to eat it. So, you know, you're not going to be feeling restricted. You're not going to be feeling frustrated or anything like that. You can have that chocolate if you want it. But the likelihood is because you've had that pause, you've had some time to think about it you're probably going to be a little bit more, more mindful about it. So the likelihood is you won't eat the whole bar. If it's a big chocolate bar or you won't eat one, which leads to five more, um, you're probably just going to have really what you need in the moment, what your body's actually going to really enjoy. And then you can move on. So surfing the urge, Im implementing that pause and just being more mindful about it can make a huge difference. Ultimately, it's just acknowledging that you do have a choice in the matter. You are not a slave to your thoughts. Um, but yeah, keeping a diary for a couple of weeks will definitely help you better understand the reasoning behind the cravings and therefore put the best strategy in place for you. Now, if you're still struggling towards the end of next week, um, let me know and we can discuss that in your check-in as well. Okay. Gosh, I can't believe I've only got through two questions there. I feel like there was some, a couple of long answers, but, um, it's okay because we don't have too many questions to get through today. So next one is currently my dumbbells go up every kilo. Once you go over 10 kilos, they seem to increase by 2.5. How do you make the change as I find that the heavier weights I can either do a reasonable number of reps or none at all? So finding it hard to progress to progress on. 
So yeah, this is very, very normal, especially with certain exercises. So you'll find with the exercises that require smaller muscle groups to work, such as bicep curls, uh, lateral raises, front raises, rear delt fly, this kind of thing, it's so much more challenging to to progress on, uh, especially if the increments between weights are quite big. So like 2.5 is a pretty big jump on, let's say, a bicep curl. Um, so firstly, what I would do is try the next weight up and just see what happens. A lot of people assume they can't lift the next weight up because it looks big and scary and they've just told themselves a story that they are not that strong, but actually they are more than capable, especially when it comes to lower body exercises. So your squats, your deadlifts, maybe even lunges, you are probably stronger than you think. So I want you to try that next weight up and see what happens because you might surprise yourself. Now, if that isn't possible to jump up to the next weight up, stick with the lighter weight but there are other ways to make it more challenging. So what you could do is slow down the lowering phase of the exercise. So let's say it's a squat. You start the movement and instead of taking, probably most people are gonna take two seconds to lower their weight and about one second to come up, try taking four seconds to lower the weight. So super controlled, slow it down. You're gonna find that a lot more challenging. Another thing you could do is add a pause in. So again, let's take the squat and ex- as a, as an example. Get to the bottom of the squat, so you're in that kind of low squat position. Let's add a two second pause. Again, that's gonna make it so much more challenging. You could also add a pulse at the bottom, couple of little pulses, nice and controlled, straight back up. By the end of that, you are gonna be like, oof, <laughs> your legs are gonna be feeling it. So that's gonna make it more challenging. That's gonna help you to build more muscle without increasing the weight and at some point you should then feel like you're in a position to increase the weight and it will just feel a lot more doable than it does right now so yeah use those techniques to make the current weight more challenging and then at some point you'll be able to um, go up another thing you can do actually on this is even try the heavier weight and say you are aiming for eight reps but you can only do five try five reps with the heavier weight and then drop down and do the final you know, three to five reps, however many you can do with the lighter weight. And that's actually a pretty good way of um, getting your body used to trying that heavier weight. And then each week you can just try and do one more extra rep with the heavier weight and uh, obviously reduce the number of reps that you're doing with the lighter weight until the point where you're doing all the reps in a set with the heavier weight. So there's a few ways you can do it and don't feel like you always need to follow exactly the rep range that I've given you ultimately it's a basic structure to follow it's a guideline but you know if you end up doing a few more reps or if you end up doing you know splitting the set into half with the heavy weight half with the lower weight that's absolutely fine your body is still going to be responding the same way remember your body isn't counting the reps it can just feel that stimulus and it's going to act accordingly okay how do I know when to rest a muscle injury or spasm and when slash how I should return. Should I rest for a day or so, then try again with lower reps, or should I rest for longer? Um, So this is a a really difficult one to answer. I would say just pay very close attention to how it feels in the day or two after first feeling the pain. You know, sometimes you might wake up the next day and it feels absolutely fine. You know, it was just like a kind of little niggle which lasted a few hours to a day, in which case, crack on. But other times it will maybe continue to niggle, for a few days and that's when it's a good idea to rest until it's back to normal Um, and you know you can ice it if it is feeling really niggly Uh, it's always a good idea to if it's did you say it's your leg Uh, no you didn't specify which muscle it was but for example if it was a leg muscle um, I would suggest 
making sure that you are keeping the leg lifted for um, maybe a couple of hours in the day um, just to help get that blood flow to the injury and help to um, just speed up the recovery. Um, the main thing I want you to remember here is a few days of training, especially if you're very consistent with it anyway, is never going to set you back. It takes like two to three weeks to start losing muscle. So you don't need to worry about, oh God, if I have a few days off, is that going to really set me back? Like, absolutely not. That is not the case. Again, especially if you've been super consistent until this point, it's not a problem at all. And that's why in this case, I would always just play it on the safer side and give yourself a few days off, especially if your body you know, if you're starting to get these niggles and injuries and spasms, it is just your body trying to tell you like, hey, I need some more rest here. Let's recover. So it's always a good idea to honor that. And remember, your body does not progress. Your muscle does not grow or build during the workout itself. Your muscles build when you allow them to recover. So that rest afterwards is so, so important. And without it, you're not going to make any progress at all. So yeah, I would say just listen to the body, play it by ear, but always give yourself a little bit more time to recover um, than you think. So play it on the safe side. And if it's been a few days plus and it's not getting better, uh, it might be time to see a physio because they are obviously going to give you, um, well, they're qualified to give you much better advice than I could when it comes to injuries. Okay, next question. How do I know if I'm at the right calorie deficit? How far below my maintenance calories am I at? If I feel I've plateaued, should I go down in calories? So generally the calorie target I give people, assuming the goal is fat loss, is a number where there'll be, it'll be a small calorie deficit, usually between three to 600 a day, but this does depend on the person. Generally, um, the bigger the person, um, the, the bigger the calorie deficit they can be in. Whereas, for example, if you're quite a small, petite woman, um, you're not going to be in a huge calorie deficit because in order to create a huge calorie deficit, naturally, because you don't require very much energy, purely because you're a smaller person, the calorie deficit required, or your, the calorie target required to be in a big deficit would be putting you at something like 1,000, maybe 1,300 calories a day, which is for 99.9% .9 of people, super unsustainable. Whereas someone on the larger side might have, might be able to be in a calorie deficit sorry, someone on the larger side might be able to consume, let's say 2,500 calories and still be in a pretty big deficit. And consuming 2,500 calories for most people is a pretty generous intake. Um, now, not for everyone, perhaps, especially if your, your activity levels are high. But yeah, first of all, I just wanted to say that everyone is going to have a, a different calorie deficit and there is no one size fits all. Um, a lot of coaches will kind of aim for 500 calorie deficit a day as a sort of average but that will vary from person to person depending on various factors activity levels are a big um a big factor in that as well so anyway when i'm giving a calorie uh, a calorie target i will be aiming to give you a smallish calorie deficit but depending on the person um so that you will be losing fat at a steady rate, but while still having the energy to smash your day-to-day -day activities, perform well in your workouts and build muscle. And of course, also have some room to actually enjoy life, you know, have a few drinks, go out for dinner every now and, now and again. Now, another coach, let's say someone who coaches bodybuilders who probably don't value going out for nice dinners, they solely focus on diet and training, their calorie deficit will be totally different. 
And I say that purely just to show you that there is no, no such thing as a right to calorie, calorie deficit. It's going to look different for everyone based on various factors. In regards to whether you should drop calories or not, I would ask how long the plateau has been. You know, one to two weeks, definitely not. Three to four, okay, then potentially it's worth slightly tweaking your calories. Um, but before I do that, I would just double check, you know, are you definitely are you definitely sticking to the calories on a consistent basis you know for example some people what, what i see quite a lot is people go out for dinner and drinks a couple of times a week they don't track this or they don't track it fully and then just without them knowing or really acknowledging they are they are actually bringing up their intake by or their average intake by like a few hundred which means that they're no longer in that calorie de calorie deficit or at least not in as big a calorie deficit as um they would like to be for their goals uh, or some people might not just they, they just aren't tracking very accurately. There's various reasons why you not you might not actually be sticking to the target that I've given you. So that's the first thing I would consider is, are you sticking to that target, you know, 90% of the time? Um, I can give you specific advice on this and you're checking next week. So um, drop me a message then and we can chat through and just make sure that, you know, I can have a proper look at your diet and give you some tips on that. But I would say generally, unless you've dropped a significant amount of weight in the last few weeks or you've reduced your activity levels, the chances are you don't need to change your calorie target. Short term plateaus are very, very normal and it's staying consistent despite not seeing progress that will eventually lead to those results. And you'll probably notice that if you can be consistent again for the next week, at some point you'll probably be due a big drop. Um, because remember your weight, assuming that you are basing this off your weight, there are so many other factors that are playing into your body weight. So, so I've even seen clients who have literally lost body fat, but they've actually put on weight because they've been building muscle or potentially they've been retaining water. It happens. So the, the scales aren't always the best measure of weight loss. Make sure you are taking progress photos and measurements as well and give it three to four weeks before um, before dropping your calories. And even then, obviously, I'll discuss this with you in person. But if we do decide to drop your calories, it will be so minimal. Okay, can you talk about eating for your body type? Brackets, ectomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph. And I said ectomorph twice, but I can't even remember. Oh, endomorph, I think is the other one. Um, is this really a thing or total BS? So you can probably tell by the, the fact that I could barely remember the name of the third one there. Um, it's mostly BS and it's not something that I um, incorporate into my coaching at all. There isn't any scientific evidence to support the idea that people should be you know, eating or behaving differently based on their body types. It's never something that I myself or any good coaches I know have factored into their coaching. So I would generally just say, avoid the idea of this altogether. Like, yes, you can kind of group people into different body types, but even that is, I think a lot of people would probably be between two. So yeah, I, for me, it's pointless. I don't really get the point of it at all. Um, and generally in the past, it's been something that certain coaches and fitness programs have kind of clung on to um, purely to make money because it sounds like a bit of a life hack, right? Like, oh, this is going to help me figure out exactly what I need to do personally based on my body type to lose weight. It sounds pretty appealing, but it, it, it just doesn't work. And it's the same with Zoe, right? It makes you feel like it's personalized to you. And you're kind of, it makes you feel like you have this edge over everyone else because, oh, you know, I've, I've done this um, blood, I've, I've done this test, I've done this experiment, and now I know exactly what I need to do to live my best gut-friendly life. And it's like, well, actually, 
you're probably just going to be given the same advice as everyone else. It's just going to be packaged up in a slightly different and probably misleading way. So the factors that do impact how we eat would be more like things like activity, activity levels, your goals, but not your body type. So don't worry about this at all. It's just another kind of um, fad and money making scam. Advice for training when feeling run down slash when you have a cold. Um, so similar to the question before, listen to your body. Generally taking at least a couple of days rest is always a good idea. Sometimes you might just feel like you wanna get out and do like something very, very gentle, get some fresh air and that can help. But I would say in particular, if you're feeling run down, if you're feeling fatigued, especially if you've got a sort of chesty cough or something like that, just rest. You're not going to set yourself back or lose any progress by taking a few days off. So why not just have the rest? Um, so yeah, when you do then get back to training, don't be afraid to dial it down a notch. So um, start on a slightly lighter weight than usual, maybe even do a little bit of a shorter session. And then the next day, just see how the body has responded. If you're feeling good, then great, get straight back to the normal routine. But you know, if you notice actually oh, struggling to recover, um, still feeling a bit under the weather, again, give it a couple of days and then try again no rush with this sort of thing as I said before it does take a good few weeks to start kind of losing progress when it comes to um, muscle and strength so you know it's never a bad idea just to take a little bit more rest than you potentially think you need okay final question top healthier topping ideas for pancake day please um okay so healthy options would be fruit you know berries um yogurt and cottage cheese I think are pretty good for protein well I know are pretty good for protein I say think because I'm like oh would I actually enjoy that on a pancake I personally probably wouldn't but this is a healthy option objectively this is the healthy option um you know honey is a good way to sweeten the the pancakes sprinkles of dark chocolate this kind of thing um desiccated coconut but to be honest you can probably tell by my um tone of voice in this question I would question do you need to be healthy on pancake day or you know do you need to be making the most nutrient dense healthy health focused pancakes because if we acknowledge the fact that not every single meal needs to be purely based on being as nutritious and healthy as possible and in fact many joys in life come from these occasions where you just enjoy yourself and you have what you really fancy and you, perhaps you'll get your family together and you just have a relaxed fun time maybe maybe you don't need to have the healthiest pancake in the world maybe you can just have whatever you fancy um and then base the rest of your day around health and being a bit more nutritious and and all of that now of course that might not be something that you value you might just want to have pancakes and make them as nutritious and healthy as possible in which case go for it i've given you the some options and ideas there but i personally think you know don't worry too much about having the protein pancakes unless you really like them, but generally they're not quite as nice, are they? Don't worry about having the most healthy, you know, quote unquote healthy toppings. Just have what you really fancy. You know, don't go too overboard. Still have these, um, ha still have the pancakes and the toppings in moderation because you'll probably enjoy it more that way as well rather than going overboard and feeling sick. But yeah, I think the main takeaway here is not every single meal in life needs to be adapted to being the most healthy and nutrient dense uh, food possible. Sometimes life is just about having what you want and enjoying it. And, you know, it's, especially if it's something you value and you're going to be having it down, uh, sorry, sitting down and eating it with your family. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you decide how you play that one. But 
just don't feel like it needs to be the healthiest meal in the world. Health is multifaceted and you, you're probably going to feel better if you actually just have what you really want and then move on to the next meal and have something healthy there. So yeah, that's that's my answer on that. Maybe not the answer you wanted, but I've given you some options there anyway for the more kind of like um, quote unquote healthy options. So yeah. Alrighty, I think that is everything for today, guys. Um, I think that was quite a shorter one than usual, but actually some really good questions there. So hopefully you found that helpful. If you are listening and you are not currently one of the Rise members, but you've listened to this and you thought, wow, that sounds amazing. Great group of people with some great questions. Um, then I would love to have you on board. And the good news is the next Rise Intake is going to be starting on the 4th of March. So not too far away now, just a few weeks. If you are interested in coming on board, then I would advise you to get yourself on the priority list because the first 15 people to sign up are going to get 15% off, which is a big old discount. So you don't wanna miss out on that. And the chances are based on the last few intakes, that uh, it will sell out at some point the spaces will fill up pretty quickly so yeah definitely get yourself on the priority list if you're interested because I will email you when spaces go live so you have a chance to snap up the discount and just get signed up as soon as possible and just make sure you've secured your space to start on the 4th of March um so yeah all the date all the details will be in the link that I pop in the section, comment section below or description or whatever, whatever it's called. Um, so click on that. You will see everything that you need to know about the program and you will also be able to get yourself on the priority list. Um, if you have any questions, drop me a message on social media, Georgia Daily Fitness, and I will get back to you there. Otherwise, I will catch you on the next one. Bye.